to this edition of Athena's Blueprint for Success. I'm your host, Holly Smithson, Athena's president and CEO, and we're excited to have a very special guest in our studio. Uh, Sue Nadadri is visiting here from San Francisco, is the hotel we find her in today. Uh, and this is a, certainly a regular for her as the head of global sales for Amazon. And we're so excited to have you and come in here and share your story and a little bit of inspiration for women uh, that are following or want to follow in your footsteps. So welcome. Thank you, Holly. Thank you for having me here. Hello, everyone. I am Suganti Nadaraja. I go by Sue. I'm with AWS, Amazon Web Services, and I'm very excited to join this conversation with Holly on something that is so personal and important to me. All right, so as I look at your background, I see a pretty illustrious uh, career path. It almost seems like it was easy to the naked eye. It seems to the casual observer uh, as an electrical engineer, getting your undergrad in electrical engineering, get a master's in international business, having worked at Honeywell, obviously at Amazon Web Services. It's, and then of course, BlackBerry. It seemed almost as if you've had no resistance whatsoever to your career path when one looks at your LinkedIn profile. Tell us a little bit about how you got uh, introduced to the world of electrical engineering uh, and then how your career path took off. <laughs> you make me laugh, Holly. It was anything but. I'm glad that it looks that easy and I'm happy to share my story. As with anyone, um, I was one of those rebellious kids and also clueless as a kid. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And uh, if there are um, South Asian listeners, you will know how families, especially Indians are. You have to study. You have to do everything in here to be good at everything. So I just did what was expected of me. I didn't know what I wanted for myself. And my parents wanted me to be a doctor. So I had to take all the courses from biology physics, chemistry. I, they, I also had math. Um, and I did computer science on the side always. So what happened was I tripped up on coding when I was in grade seven. So I had to do, I had some sports activities after school and there was like a two hour break and my parents wanted to leverage that time. So they signed me up for this course that they had in school for coding. Lo and behold, coding grounded me, gave me something to get passionate about. I'll tell you why, because you, it allows you to use algorithms to solve problems. And this I control. I can design it how I want. I can write it how I want. And I finally felt like I was in charge of something. So I started coding really to control, to have some sort of control over my life when I was in grade seven. So I've been coding ever since. From high school, I, um, I was still, I did, I still, the parents still wanted me to be a doctor and I did applied to all the schools and I got into some medical schools as well but I had to make the decision to go into engineering because I knew I had to use um, software development I knew I was into software I'll never be a good doctor I didn't have the patience I didn't have the capacity so it was a end of grade 12 I had to rally a group of doctors who I knew who came and spoke on my behalf saying she's not cut out to be a doctor let her follow her passion in engineering. So it was really hard to even get started. And my parents initially looked at it as a failure because I let them down. So it wasn't easy even to get into engineering, even though I got accepted into university. So that's one. 
aspect of how difficult it was to get going, but I've always loved solving problems using algorithms all my life. And that's what I do. Today, I solve business problems using logic and algorithms that work in my head. I don't code, but I use logic. So it always has been who I am and I just leveraged it the best way I could. I, and I, I, I'm hearing a, a, a pattern here, a little pattern recognition, some, some deep machine learning here. I'm seeing rebellion. Um, I'm seeing a little bit of the, um, the logic. Um, and I'm also seeing a love of math. And when folks are in our audience who are really contemplating whether or not this is a place for them, um, and by place, I mean, if this is the right industry for them, um, as we look at what's happening in the marketplace, there's a lot of headwinds inside the corporations that are obviously responding to the recession. And so there's a lot of widespread layoffs that are disproportionately impacting women. Um, when we see the Supreme Court's ruling around um, affirmative action, um, when we see a lot of the state legislatures that are defunding diversity programs. And then we have to look at the folks that, the you know, the sooth behind you that are coming in behind you and really looking around and wondering, is the world of STEM a place for me? I wonder if I should take my rebellion. <laughs> I wonder if I should apply my logic looking at things as they appear today and maybe consider a course correction and going in a different field that may, may be a little bit more welcoming and where there may be more people that actually look like me. What do you say to those people that are contemplating uh, a field and, and an industry that's so exciting, but maybe having some, some real ruminations about whether or not this is the right fit for them, given what we're seeing? You know, that's a great topic, Holly, and I've come across this a lot because I do uh, go to a lot of uh, universities and help students uh, pick technology in some way, shape or form as, uh, as a course, especially STEM. Um, I think there's a misconception that STEM means you have to be in a highly technical job. Let me tell you, that's not it. I don't, if you're a doctor, <laughs> if you're a... Um, psychologists, uh, you, you can be an archaeologist, you can be anyone, but having STEM education really will help you in all walks, in every industry, in every uh, vertical or horizontal you're interested in. This is why, because everything is going to be powered by technology. Even as a doctor, I see a lot of CIOs, chief information officers and CTOs in healthcare who are MDs. So they did the MD and now they are managing the IT strategy for the organization because you need to get, I uh, have IT background to do almost everything. So no, like now my grandma and grandpa know to operate a laptop because they need to upgrade the software. You need to have a basic motion, but even further still, why do you need, if you don't, you don't have to be a software developer. You don't have to be in coding. You don't have to be in R&D to do STEM, that is the beauty of it. It's in every aspect of your life. And I've had an English lit student who asked me uh, in her second year of her undergrad saying, Sue, I know you want me to join this internship program with you, but I don't have a tech background. I'm like, I don't care, you have the aptitude, join me. We'll train you 
She came in, she loved it. She wrote a sonnet about all our AWS cloud services and we actually published it. She got a full-time offer within three months to come back and join us full-time. So all I'm saying is it's not, and there's is a room, is it? I mean, we are all women, everything is uh, not easy, but you don't want to go the easy path because it's going to get obsolete very soon. You want to go pave new paths, go fight for what is rightfully yours, look for opportunities. Like some things won't, even today while I talk, I won't be able to articulate or explain to you what's going to be relevant for you 10 years from now. There will be new industries, new applications, new areas of high potential interest that's going to be so motivating and right for you and having the stem background is only going to make you that much more applicable and uh, perfect for that opportunity be it a career or in personal uh, life it could be in all areas of life so i encourage everyone to get into stem some way shape or form and as I listen, as I listen to to your your advice, I something that really stands out, and it it really is that um, that laser focus and determination, which certainly came across when you and I met um, down in Tampa at the Women on Their Way Summit. And I, when when you and I were talking, I was listening to sort of what I thought was the superpower that the women on the stage were sharing. And, and I took liberty with your, your superpower. And I said, you know, it, it almost sounds a little bit like a, a stubbornness, a refusal to say, to, 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 to accept the status quo. And, and maybe I was projecting because I feel a little bit of um, my spirit animal. Uh, but I'd, I'd love for you to, as, as people are listening to you and, and, and seeing this, this pathway, from global, global companies like BlackBerry, like Honeywell and AWS, what would you say are the two most important ingredients to your ability to be where you are today as a woman, um, as a woman of color? Um, and when I mean that, uh, when I ask that, I mean um, an internal trait, an internal quality. And then the other ingredient is the external, some outside influence and without those two leathers uh we wouldn't we wouldn't be here or you wouldn't be where you are in your career would you share that yeah absolutely so it's throughout the career i mean initially it was very difficult especially when i made the switch from a developer to a business person when i changed after my master's uh after i did my mba i did switch into that and um i come into this because as a developer there were a lot of women coding I could see that behind the scenes there's a lot of women in every aspect behind the scenes making magic happen but on the forefront on the table having discussions as a leader it was less and less I really didn't have too many people to look up to or to model after that were women men yes and there were some who were great so what really helped me get to where I was initially when I get negative comments or spoken over or shut down or said you can't do it I used to think it was me like that's what we do like I did something wrong what did I do wrong how can I get better and the more more it happened and you fix one problem for one person and you go there the same thing it'll get twisted and it'll be the other thing that they want and they're like no now it's you it's not me anymore I've done this for five years I'm going back and forth trying to figure this out so it's on you so it's okay to be misunderstood 
I um, never take impossible as an answer. I was saying no is not in my vocabulary. Impossible is not in my vocabulary. Everything has a way path forward. So I always get find a way to get it done. I'll do it respectfully. I do it in a way that makes sense for me. It might not be exactly how I initially envisioned it, but that's the beauty. I mean, that's where my algorithm, I keep saying algorithm because there is a problem. There is a solution. Maybe it's not a straight line. Maybe it's a curved path. Maybe it's going up and then down. I There is a way and there's a path to get it. I find it. I'll go make it happen. I'll show people I can get it, I, that I can do it. If you're not on board, it's on you, not on me. I'm okay to be misunderstood initially. So this is an Amazonian thing that I eventually came to learn that I embodied way before I joined Amazon, which was like when Amazon first started the online book sales, people were like, who's going to do that? Like, who's going to buy books on the internet? You know, like, it just didn't make sense. We had to see it, read it. But it it became a big business and it's gone beyond books now, of course, as you know. But they were, Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, was fine and comfortable to be misunderstood initially because he knew what he wanted and he went forward with it. And um, I'm going to say something which uh, when iPhone first came out and I was at BlackBerry, we looked at a smartphone without keys. And there were many who were very comfortable with BlackBerry who looked at an iPhone and said, physical keys are like, how do you type? How do those things fit in? Now, lo and behold, like the vision, know what you want, own your truth, be adamant. But you know, I'm not going to say it's easy and peachy. There's a world we, we have like real life requirements. You can't just sit in your orders and hope things are going to work out great just because you're not willing to be flexible. Be flexible. Well, I'm not trying to uh, recommend just stick to what you're doing. Learn, adapt, innovate, reinvent yourself. Don't change your end goal. Just find a way to get there in a different path. And that's the internal part that helped me. Externally, um, you know, I know Holly, you're a big advocate for male allies. I've had many um, male allies and I've had male sponsors. So as I often say, um, having sponsors, male, female, it doesn't matter. Having people speak up to you, speak for you, to have your back when you're not in the room is super important. I always do that. I, I um, you know, we all have a learning curve and sometimes based on the political climate and what's going on in the organization, things, a good thing can be made look negative or a negative thing can be made look positive. You need your advocates who are there who can advocate on your behalf in, in the workforce because it's super critical, especially for women, to have those allies and advocates uh, who can speak on their behalf because you don't want to be the only person having your battles. It's a big one. We have to do it collectively and together. And I'll do as many as I can. I have mentors and especially sponsors. Sponsors are those who will actually make things happen for you and open doors for you. And do not send an email and say, please be my sponsor to people you do not know. You have to earn the trust first. So network, 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 create that ecosystem that supports and you know is there to help bring you up, especially when you need help. 
And I, I, I know I certainly wouldn't be where I am in my journey without um, the sponsors and the mentors. And they've largely been men because I've been in largely male dominated industries. And it was never a, hey, Sue, I, I really, I need some help and I want you to be my mentor. Are you opening that? It was never an explicit invitation. It was, wow, I see that she's got great perspective and a great value. I would love to pick your brain. Can we grab coffee on Tuesday? And then the relationship, you know, ensues. No pun intended. And it's just, it's it's amazing how so many women that I find out there are afraid to ask because that's a it's a state of vulnerability because there might be a chance I you might not say yes, right? And um, and so it's not actually asking to be a, a mentorship, it's asking for help. And that eventually will unfold into a longer term mentorship, sponsorship or allyship as the relationship naturally unfolds. And so um, I think that's a really uh, important nuance for people is to think of like, oh, I got to sit here and ask people if they'll sponsor me. No, and like you said, it's a relationship, building a relationship of first seeing that there's value in person A, and then I've got value too. So I can perhaps support you um, because I've got access to this business unit or this company or this what have you. Um, so I think that's really powerful. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. I am um, another thing I want to ask you. So a lot of times and we heard this uh, at the conference where you and I were, we see a lot of time women are in these leadership positions, um, but they tend to be women. Uh, they tend to be positions without PL. Right. So head of HR, head of marketing, head of diversity, but they don't have um, profit and loss responsibility. So talk a little bit about and you're head of obviously global sales. You went in there when a whole lot of men, men typically, which is odd um, for me um, anyway, to be in these high revenue generating positions. So how were you able to be the outlier in that respect? So it's very difficult. So I have done. I've changed a couple of roles internally within AWS. I've created a network and relationships. So that went a long way. But I've initially started off interviewing for these roles. And I've had even women, like if we're in the panel of interviewers and men, look at my resume and say, we don't even know how to read your resume. You've been all over, done all sorts of things. Like, how can you be a sales leader? How can you manage a book of business? How can you manage your targets? And I'm like, isn't that exactly why I will be perfect for sales? Because your, your customers are enormous. They're from different backgrounds. You're talking to different buyer personas and different industries. If, if I've always done sales, all I know is to go sell. But I'm not a traditional seller, transformational seller. So if you, if you can't embrace seeing me as a leader, I don't think I want to work with you. Is an, it's one example. Like I also bet nowadays I do not just interview, uh, give an interview. I interview the other person during the interview because you have to make the right choices for you. If you are a visionary, if you're a transformational person, if you, your personality is such that you're not going to do things that's already been done a hundred times in the past because it bores the heck out of you, then you want to go to the right place that allows you to grow and be and be your authentic self and still have fun while doing it and be successful. So I do that a lot. So people who've seen me, they're like, they're risk takers. Trust me, it was a male who gave me the first shot. He said, Sue, 
I think I can, you, I can see you doing this. Let's start. Let's give it a shot. I mean, I know you're analytical. I know you're going to use data to make decisions. I know you, you post correct so quickly. I know you're a great people person. Why not? And you can talk technology. So I come and took a shot. And since then, it's worked. So you, it wasn't easy. Like it shows in my LinkedIn profile. And it still isn't easy. To be fair, it doesn't matter which level you are in. Women are always having to prove themselves over and over again. I'm sure you know this, Holly, even being the CEO of Athena. It's like five, six CEOs in a room talking. You still have to do something a little bit more to stand out and show, hey, I'm as good, if not better than you. And that's the truth. But hey, it's fun. I wouldn't do it if it was easy. I mean, the very essence of sales is I'm not taking no for an answer. <laughs> I mean, if they didn't see that in the interview, they're like, whoa. <laughs> it's open. So it, it's, you're right. And for me, this is something I have a pet peeve with, and it's, it's not going to be well liked, but it's my problem. So even in these, now, even when IDNE and all of the companies are investing in women leadership and boards and, you know, having this, I've noticed women lead those um, initiatives in organization, but the executive sponsor is a male, which I would like. But you know how it transpires on a stage? They introduce them, they get the men get to sit, they act as the leader, and the women are all around organizing and planning and what is happening? Supportive. Why, man? If you're supportive, Mister Person, male person, why don't you also do part of all of this? Why do you have to sit? You have to be seated where the women are running around, answering and catering to your every need. Like because this, we are so thankful that you agreed. To, I mean, thank you, but equality, man. Seriously, that that doesn't come across, and I'm this doesn't bode well for me. And I'm not going to be a check mark. I'm not going to follow existing process. I'm going to lead by example. That's my thing. I, I yeah, it's a different mindset. I, I no, I I love your fire. I love your 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 frequency, your energy. That's why we connected the way we did um, down in Florida. And it's it obviously has worked for you throughout your your career. And 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 it's just it's awesome to see a, an, an engineer on this show. And for all the other engineers or engineer, um, aspiring engineers to say, you know what, I can, I can be very, very, very left brain. And I can also tap into my right brain and say, I can create whatever future I want, even if it's within this construct that may, may not be attractive and may not want, want me in it. And it, it really is, again, I'm coming back to this, Sue, I'm coming back to this stubborn trait. It is just an absolute defiance against thing status quo. And, you know, there's a lot of resistance in the marketplace right now. It's a lot. We had all these great inroads after the murder of George Floyd. There was a, there, people were starting to understand and appreciate because they were stuck at home, how wrong these, these practices and these beliefs and these biases and how deeply um, entrenched they were and really wanted to make an effort to be more conscious, be more intentional. And then I, I feel like because of the recession, for whatever reason, all of that is just rolling back. And 
And, and, you know, this is life happens in, in seasons and cycles. And, and so we, we are going through the season and we will cycle back. And, and that's why I hope everybody can, can experience your energy and your enthusiasm and your piss and vinegar and appreciate that this isn't the end. This is merely the ebb and the flow. And I'm, I'm almost thinking of, you know, the rubber band, right? Where we just pull it back and pull it back and pull it back. And it's so tight until it comes back into the other direction with greater force. Um, and, and so I, I'm just really excited for you to, to share your story and, and your inspiration. And I would love just to wrap up our, our interview. And would you mind giving your thoughts on the way forward? You talk about uh, being a visionary, uh, as one of the, the key ingredients in the Sioux recipe for success. What do you see? What do you make of everything that's happening? Um, and, and where we should sort of hedge our bets for women that are, that are operating in STEM world and, and want to continue to contribute our talents to the world of STEM. Yeah, so this is an exciting time because I, if you are in STEM, or if you're thinking about STEM, uh, or if you're just dabbling with it, if you've heard of the word generative AI, it's top of mind. I'm, I, I brought it up in the summit too, generative AI. You might have heard of ChatGPT. It's this open AI, generative AI thing that everyone's familiar with. It is artificial intelligence, but that's going to change the game in across all industries for the next couple of decades. That is a real thing. It's here to stay. Get familiar with it. What it really does, it 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 um, machines, computers using artificial intelligence are not only going to do predictions. It's going to generate content. It's going to it's going to be able to create documents, media, pictures, visuals, and it's going to be used by all these organizations, healthcare, aerospace, government, manufacturing, retail, and you name it, education. They're all going to use it to make better informed decisions. So, and it's cool because it, as I said, it applies to every industry and you don't have to be really technical to use it. So if you go to ChatGPT online, if you just type it, it'll give you, a, if you have a Google account, you can just go in and start typing questions. It'll give you answers. So just get familiar with it and start figuring out how you want to contribute and be part of this next 10, 20 years of tech evolution, as they call it. I'm very excited. I'm all in. Um, this is all you will hear like Microsoft, Amazon, Google, of the world talking about these days because it's here to stay. And uh, if you're just thinking about getting a uh, quick early start on something that's cutting edge and going to affect every aspect of life for every function, HR, um, supply chain, anything, operations, sales, um, development, coding, this is it. Go get, yeah, get some sort of learning. There are lot, lots of free courses online available, made available to you from a lot of companies and there are paid courses to get certified get up there and we can crush it. I know things are going back, but guys, ladies, we don't need others to pave the way and show us how to do things. We don't need people to hire IDA leaders to do it. We, each one of us can do it. If you all do it ourselves, we don't need a platform. We don't need a group. When it happens, it's great. When it doesn't, it doesn't matter because be your own advocate, be your friend's advocate, be your daughter's advocate, be your mother's advocate. Be the advocate that you can be. 
And I, I, I love those words because it, it definitely uh, reminds us all that we, ha <clears throat> we have the agency. And when we surrender that agency outside of ourselves, we put ourselves in a disadvantage. Um, so very sound advice. And, and thank you so much for coming in and, and fitting us in this morning. I love, loved your energy from the minute we met. And I'm just super excited to, to have you influence uh, our audience. And I hope they'll take a lot out of this, uh, this interview like I have. So thank you so much, Sue. Thank you, Holly. Thank you for ha having me. And I look forward to a continued relationship with you and Athena and the women of the world. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Sue. That wraps up this edition of Athena's Blueprint for Success. I want to thank our sponsors at Qualcomm for making this happen. And we'll see you next month for Athena's Blueprint for Success. Bye-bye.